The second Bible reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 17. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Do not cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with an awe, and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and surrounding country. Now, wasn't that uh, an excellent video with such wise words from many of those of you who are here? And you can see Barry with his white beard. You can see the real one in person as well today. So, uh, Do keep your Bibles open to that passage, Luke chapter 7. Uh, we'll be making our way through it and we'll be thinking about the big topic of hope which we all want and desire. But let's, let's join in prayer once again. Heavenly Father, in the weariness of life, we do turn to you as the God of all hopes. And so help us to see today, even in this passage, where we do find true hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the big question is, is hope a lie? Is it a lie? What do you think? The things we hope for when we use the word hope, is it just all talk and hot air? Is it all just platitudes and cliches and wishful thinking or false optimism? Is it a lie? Or is it what we say just to make life feel a bit more bearable? Or is there indeed something good and true to hope? You see, we use the word hope all the time, don't we? We heard it from Ollie before. We heard it in the video. We use the word hope all the time. I hope you have a good day. I hope the weather will be nice today. I hope things will turn out well. I hope you'll pass your exam. I hope I pass my exams. Or we say in the Aussie way, she'll be right, mate. That is also a comment about hope. Someone once said, hope is the outreaching desire with the expectancy of good. It is a characteristic of all living things. And so we do hope. But why do we hope? Why do we not only use the word of hope, but we have this inner deep longing and expectancy and yearning for better things? And of course, this is irrespective of age, young or old, we'll hope. Irrespective of culture and religion, we do hope for different things, but we do hope. And so why do we hope? Well, I think partly it is because we are somewhat dissatisfied with life at the moment. And so consider your own life. Are there things in your life that you're dissatisfied with at the moment that you just wish could, would go away or would just change? And I think partly it's because we hope 
because we feel that life should be better. It must be better than what I'm experiencing now. And again, reflect on your own life. Are there things that you hope will be better, must be better, it shouldn't be the way it is? And I guess it is because of hope. That's why advertisements work. You know, or TV, commercials, or radio, or online. That's why they work, because they always sell a better picture, a better future, a better life. A few months ago, under the COVID restrictions, under lockdown, I saw an ad for a garden hose. How exciting, a garden hose. It will change your life. No more kinks. It's long, 25 metres. I can wash the car, which I haven't washed once with that hose. But it will change your life. I purchased it. (laughs) And you can see I'm a changed man because of that garden hose. But there was hope. But we come back to that same question. It seems good to hope. We know why we hope. But is it all for nothing? Is it just a wasted word in the English language? Is hope a lie? Because if you think about all the hopes we have in life, all the hopes, how many of those hopes get fulfilled? When I was young, a child, I was fascinated with space, with the planets, with the stars, with the galaxy. I hoped that one day I would become an astronaut. Some of you heard this before. I did hope to become an astronaut. I was so fascinated with the space shuttle and the satellites. Where am I now? I'm stuck here on Earth with you, <laughs> which is better by far. But how many of our hopes go unfulfilled? Now, of course, some of you are thinking, you're just being unrealistic, John. Come back to Earth. You're never going to achieve that. But how many of our hopes get dashed? How often do we feel disappointment because the things we hoped for did not come true? Because just like what we heard in that video interview, there is one thing in life that will destroy all our hopes. There is the great enemy of all hopes. There is the great defeater of all hopes. And it is something that no doctor or health professional is able to reverse. The mortality rate is still 100%. In fact, just yesterday I heard of someone who spoke of someone they knew, a high achiever, many degrees, many letters after their name. But where is that person now? Her ashes in an urn, waiting to be scattered. You see, death is the great defeater of of all hopes we have. You see, if I hope to be rich and wealthy, and many of us here may be rich and wealthy, I might hope to have a massive bank account, an eye-watering nest egg. So what? What happens to that hope? Death takes it away. We die naked anyway. If I hope to be healthy and I eat and exercise well, well, one day death will take that away as well. As healthy as, as you are, as well as you eat, we still die. Or I might hope to be beautiful and glamorous, and many of you are beautiful and glamorous. But what will happen one day? Death still wins, and that hope is gone. We'll still be eaten by the worms. If I hope to be married, if I hope to have good friends and have good relationships in life, death also takes that away. And some of us know that all too well. 
You see, whether the poor or the rich, the smart or the not so smart, the failures, the successful, death wins hands down each and every time. Death robs us of all hopes. And that is the sense of hopelessness, the horror and the finality of death that we're meant to see and feel in this passage. It is the epitome of hopelessness. So have a look at your Bibles, verses 11 and 12. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him, and he approached the town gate. A dead person was being carried out. Do you know that scene? It's just like each time you see the hearse drive past. What happens to you? Well, what happens to me is my heart just sinks a bit. It's always a somber sight because there was a symbol of hope losing and death winning. And then we read on, verse 12. A dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother... Now, what happens to you when you hear that? Well, our heart is meant to sink a bit more. Now, some of you may know of someone who have had to bear such a pain. There's a saying in Chinese, it literally goes, white hair has to send black hair first. What it means is parents with white hair needing to bury their child with black hair. It should never happen. No parent should ever have to bury their own child. This child who was the flesh and bones of this mother who was walking beside the coffin of her son. And you can just imagine what this mother would have been thinking. Part of me died today because today I bury my child. Now I've seen a fair bit of grief in my life but not much surpasses the grief of a grieving parent. The pain is just gut-wrenching. In my second year of university, my grandmother, who was already a widow, at that point, she had to bury her son, my uncle, who died tragically in his 30s. Only a few years in my ministry at this church, I had to officiate a funeral, the toughest funeral I had to do, where the parents had to bury their own son who died tragically in his 20s. It is so unnatural for parents to bury their child. And in this story, the hopes of that son died when he died. And so were also the hopes of the mother. And then we read on, verse 12. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Our hearts are meant to sink as low as it possibly could go at this point. Not only needing to bury your own son, if that was not tragic enough, she was also a widow. Now in the ancient world, it was the most tragic situation to be in, to not have a man of the household, to not have a husband or a father of your child, to be around, to provide, to protect, to defend the family. And now her only son in whom all her hopes were placed, he died as well. There's not much in life that could surpass the excruciating agony of a grieving widow who had to bury her own child. 
husband gone, son gone, which meant the future was gone, or hopes destroyed. It was the worst day of her life. And so do you see, whatever we hope for in life, whatever they may be, the small things, the big things, hopes for joy, for happiness, for fulfillment, for satisfaction, because death wins 100% of the time, it swallows up all the hopes we have. And so that question again, is hope a lie? Is it all just wishful thinking, what we say just to make life more bearable in the harsh realities of life? Well, it would be a lie, except for Jesus. The only way for there to be true hope and for it not to be wishful thinking is only if the greatest enemy of hope is defeated, if death itself dies, if there is the defeat to death itself. Otherwise, death wins every time. But Jesus, look at what happened, verse 13. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. He had compassion for her. I mean, her sorrow, her anguish, her agony, she could not hide that. And so Jesus saw that and his compassion went out to her. And if we were there, we would do likewise. Our heart would sink. We would feel so terribly sorry for this widow who had to bury her son. We would cry along with her because we can't do anything about it. But what did Jesus do? Verse 13, he said, don't cry. Now, what do you think about what Jesus said there? I mean, that is the last thing you, just, you say to anyone grieving. Times when I've had to comfort a grieving soul, there's often not very much I can say apart from, it is okay to grieve. It is okay to express your sorrows. It is okay to cry, and here is a shoulder for you to cry upon. I never say, don't cry. To say don't cry to a grieving widow would be so insensitive and heartless. And you can just imagine everyone there, the widow and everyone there looking at Jesus and thinking, what's wrong with this guy? Get out of here. But why was Jesus able to say that and not be insensitive and heartless? Well, it was because he could do something about her grief. It was because he can grant her hope when her situation was completely, completely and utterly hopeless. Look at verse 14. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. Now let me say, and it goes without saying, in all the funerals that I've conducted as a minister, never once has that happened. Never once has anyone tried to stop the funeral in its tracks. As we walk the coffin down the aisle out of this church or a chapel, never once anyone pop in the middle of the funeral and say, stop. No one dared to do that. No one dares to see a hearse driving down the street and jump in front of the middle of the road and say, stop, turn around. 
Who dares to stop a funeral in its tracks? Why? It is because we all know death is the end. You can't do anything once death has swallowed you up. There is no turning back. It is the end. It is finished. And it is a full stop. But what did Jesus do? He simply spoke. He didn't do a song and dance. He didn't even touch the sun. He didn't rub mud between his hands. He simply spoke by the power of his own words. Verse 14. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. Now who has such a power to speak to the dead and for them to listen? Who has such a power to speak words that would even pierce the grave? Who has such power to even reverse death and stop a funeral in its tracks? Well, the only one with such a power is the one who gave us life. The only one with such a power is the one who is the hope of the world. The one who speaks and the dead listen. The one who overcomes death. The one who defeats death itself. And then verse 15. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. He, a dead man, heard the voice of Jesus call out to him and he came back to life. Now what a day that day must have been for that widow, for that mother. The worst day of her life, now the best day. The day when all her hopes were dashed. Now the days when her hosts came back to life. And so you can understand the response of all those around her. Verse 16. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. Now they were only half right. Jesus was more, far more than a prophet. But Jesus indeed was God coming to help his people. To show them that death does not get the last word. To show them that your hopes are true. They are not a lie. And news about him spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. And it spread across 2,000 years to you who are listening today. So that you too who are listening might know that hope is true. It is not a lie. But what is the hope that Jesus offers? Well, what Jesus offers is a hope that we cannot even begin to imagine. It's not whatever I hope for, I get. I mean, I might still hope to become a national, but it won't happen. It ain't happening. And it's not hoping like you found a genie bottle and whatever you hope for, you get. We know from the Aladdin movie, it doesn't work. You don't get what is best for you, nor is it what, what, what God wants for you. Rather, it is this hope. Hope that, you know, every experience of joy and contentment and excitement, we experience it and we feel, I want this to last forever. It never does. It always comes and goes, but we just want to be in that moment forever. We want it to last, that joy, that fulfillment, that satisfaction. One day it will. It is hope that will be accepted and loved unconditionally. 
in a relationship that is not shallow or fleeting, that long desire to be accepted, well, that hope will be true. It is hope that all the messiness that we see in the world today, and it is so sad what you see around the world, poverty, children living in poverty, refugees, millions of refugees around the world, homelessness, people not having enough, people dying of starvation, not having clean water. You just hope, can that end one day? Well, that hope is true because one day it will. It is hope that all the fighting and conflict we see that begins in the families, that extends between people and then between nations, all the fightings and bombings and killings, we just hope, can there be peace and harmony? Can there be unity? Well, that hope is yes, one day it will be. It is hope that all the illnesses and diseases and cancers and viruses and disabilities that ravage this broken world, we just hope that one day all will be done away with. There will be perfection, cure, perfect bodies that won't decay in this broken world. Well, that hope is true because one day it will be. It is hope that in all the weariness and tiredness and the restlessness of life, that that will one day make way to a more fulfilling, satisfying, content experience that fulfills our deepest yearnings and longings. That hope will one day be the case. It is hope that those we love, who we remember seeing buried, and we remember their last days when their body was getting weak and frail and just wasting away. It is hope that we'll see them again, that there will be a wonderful reunion where we'll see them stand next to their saviour. Well, that hope is true, because one day it will happen. And it is hope above all, above all, to see the glory and majesty and to lay our eyes on the face of our Saviour. Because one day we will see. That is the hope that Jesus offers. A hope that not even death can take away. And it is far more than what we could ever possibly hope for. More bold than any dream we would ever dare dream. But there's something missing for this hope to become possible. The story is not yet finished. Jesus brought back the life of this only son to this widow. But one day in the story of the Gospels, God the Father had to give up his only son. Jesus was taken away from his father so that this son could be returned to his mother. You see, God the Father gave up his only son, Jesus Christ, who bled and died on the cross in our place and for our sake so that he might be like a bridge from us to God. And in his death, he conquered death itself because he came back to life. He rose back from the dead to show to this world and to show to us that hope is real if you place your trust in me. If you stake your life upon mine, if you place your hope in me. 
It's just like the quote we saw before, what Corey Ten Boone said. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And that is unique to the Christian faith. Only the Christian faith has that. Every religious leader in the world died. You name it. They all died. The body decayed somewhere in the world. But Jesus defeated death, the great enemy of hope. And so you can see today that hope is real. It is not a lie. Now this might be news to some of you. And so the question for you then to consider is, what is it that you hope in? Can you say with sincerity that the hopes that you have in life will be fulfilled? Or are you being challenged by what Jesus said here? I want this hope too. Because if that is you, then in your heart of hearts, you bow before Jesus and you say, I'm placing my life on yours. I'm staking my life upon yours. And my hope is in you alone. Or will you continue to sell yourself short? Continue to hope for the lesser things in life when in Jesus you can hope for it all. And do you need to, in a sense, wake up spiritually? We're dead spiritually, but do you need to wake up and hear the voice of Jesus call out to you? Wake up. Get up. Be alive. He who has words that would even pierce the grave, is he calling out to you? Get up and be alive. And for those of you who already have this hope, you know Jesus, you love him, you know where you'll be in the future, well, you can rest in that amazing, wonderful comfort because what you have is not a lie. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And let your hope in Jesus continue to be the thing that will lift you up and pull you forward until one day you get to lay your eyes upon your Savior. And so is hope a lie? It is not if Jesus is the one you hope in. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your dear Son, Jesus Christ, who has words so powerful that it would even pierce the grave and bring the dead to life, who even defeated death itself by his own death, to show us that our hopes in him for perfect joy and peace and harmony and gladness and fulfillment will one day come with absolute certainty. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.